This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Dara here. All right. That's the, the question we've all been wanting to answer. When does 21 degrees feel like summer? Well, that would be today. I popped out of my house and it was like, oh, feeling this sunshine. Oh, the joy. All right, so here's what we got on the radio today. I have such good guacamole recipes. Oh, my goodness. Are you doing a Super Bowl thing? I think I'm not allowed to say Super Bowl. I'm not allowed to write it. I forget what the rule is. Well, I'm busting all those rules. It's a big game tomorrow. And uh, if you're doing guacamole, they're all up at WCCORadio.com right now. Such good recipes very simple. I decided I wanted to go, well, there's one complicated one, but Beyonce's mom's guacamole recipe. I just love it. I love that Beyonce has a mom. I find Beyonce intimidating. She's so beautiful, so accomplished, so perfect in every way. But then at some point, she was a little kid and her mom made guacamole. And that's the recipe we have because I'm sure now she just eats guacamole from a Paleo, magic unicorn, something, something, uh, vegan. So, so I don't know. Um, we've got two really good guests on the show today. I'm just very interested in learning stories behind a lot of things that are going on in our community. And I know a lot of you are interested in how you build these food businesses. I have Mary Kozer here from Whole Me. Uh, that's, we're going to talk all about that. Also, later on, I've got... Uh, Chef Jeffrey Hausman, good old Jeffy, he has been on the show before. He's now taken over Sample Room, and he's doing a, all kinds of meaty Valentine's things, fun things. All right. But as always, we will also have a big Ask Me Anything. Do you have questions for me that for me to answer? Well, then you should text them to 81807. Um, I've already got one about where you can purchase fresh Lake Superior smelt. I don't know that you can. I feel like you have to go get them. But you tell me if I'm wrong. 81807, can you purchase fresh Lake Superior smelt? Or you just get get off your keister and go get them. I don't know. I don't know the answer. So right now we're going to turn to the topic of the day, Mary Kozer. All right. So I don't know if you've tried these whole me clusters. They're grain-free um, you know, kind of healthy bites for people. Um, the company was started by Mary Kozer oh, about a decade ago. And I've got Mary here. We're going to talk about how she's been doing it and how it is going. Mary, welcome to the show. Thanks. And thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. All right. And in the summer, the 21 degree summer that we're enjoying <laughs> right now. It feels great outside. Oh, no. Now the temperature says 29 degrees. 29 degrees. Well, that's paradise. Call me. I know. Try to keep your kids' hats on today. I dare you. Um, okay. So, Mary, how did you tell the people? It's kind of an interesting story. What inspired you to start Whole Me? 
Well, I definitely consider myself an accidental entrepreneur. Um, wasn't really looking to start a food company, but um, about a decade ago, my husband was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes as an adult. And uh, as a family, we really changed the way we ate. We were trying to kind of lower our sugar intake. We were eliminating grains um, and really trying to eat in what, from what we had researched, was an autoimmune-friendly way. One. And so if people don't know, I mean, diabetes is just ripping through this country right now. Mm-hmm. The other, there's an obesity crisis. Uh, a lot of people would argue we have a too much sugar in food crisis and Flowers, like really processed white flowers, they can act like sugar in the blood. And so that's the, the kind of cutting edge or, you know, not even cutting edge. Like that's the leading standard advice at this point, right, is right. To, to try to get away from processed sugar, processed flour. Exactly. And that's what got me in the kitchen trying to create, I would say, snacks and, and things that we could eat as a family because I had two younger children at the time where I could still just make one thing Everybody would like it and nobody would realize that they were, you know, sacrificing the sugar or the flour or the, you know, the, the brownies that maybe used to be there. Yeah, I think that's facing a lot of moms today. I, I a friend of mine that I went to college with, her husband was diagnosed with a celiac, you know, long into his life. And then she had this, uh, you know, she had long been making bagels and pizza and all the things, all their family traditions all of a sudden. And she, she spent a year or so kind of making double batches of everything and then she eventually, you know, found the, the gluten-free versions that work. But, I mean, it's a it, – you can't just eat the way you were eating. No, it's it's difficult. And, and, you know, back then when I was really experimenting in the kitchen, uh, there wasn't a lot in the grocery store either that I could turn to. And so um, we were sort of, you know, starting from scratch and trying to make things that were relatively clean and simple taste great. And so you ended up working with a lot of coconut, which is a flavor I love. Yes. Um, and then different – you have four flavors now. So so you started right, that right. in your kitchen in your life So in your started house. that in the kitchen, started bringing it into the gym a few days a week, getting feedback from my uh, friends at the gym, what tasted great, what didn't. Um, paleo was sort of a really new thing back then. And um, so we were just experimenting with both bars and kind of granola-like clusters and one thing led to another, and we were looking at, you know, how do we sweeten these things? Do we use dates? Do we use honey? How do we keep them relatively low sugar and then kind of load up on the nuts and seeds and healthy fats? And then you hired – this is when I first became aware of you uh, – well, pretty well-known pastry chef in town, Krista Steinbeck. Right. Krista um, was a uh, member at my gym, and as uh, we were getting really positive feedback on the concept of – of the uh, products we were creating, um, I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great to partner up with somebody in the community who actually knows food? I was sort of a novice in the kitchen and experimenting myself. Um, And then I got to know Krista and thought, hey, this might be, you know, a great partner. Okay. And so that's the the genesis of what you call an accidental entrepreneur. And now you're in, uh, so now you've got these whole me grain-free clusters, and they're in a bunch of stores. Right. Locally, um, we're in uh, all the co-ops. We're in Hy-Vee. We're in Whole Foods um, nationally. And, uh, That's a big account. It's a big account. And, and we've been we've been growing, um, I would say, nicely over the last four years. Uh, really kind of got our start, like I said, in the local co-ops and going to kind of the natural food stores one by one by one. 
And, and uh, what is that process? Is that, you know, you have to talk to a grocery buyer, then you have to stand there and hand out samples? Like, is that what, is oh, that yeah. what I think I did it a, is? We did a lot of that in the early days. Um, we were renting commercial kitchen space over in St. Paul um, during the day. And then late afternoons, you know, we'd be driving around to the smaller co-ops and specialty stores and door to door, really hoping that they'd take a chance on a local brand. And so tell me about that. Were you, I mean, how did this, how did you go from you know, trying to cook something from your family to all of a sudden you're driving around door to door delivering (laughs) boxes of stuff. I mean, did it feel right? Did you feel like you were meeting a need or was it, you know, you've got to replace some income because you've got other things going on? Mm -hmm. You know, what? tell me about the the kind of genesis from hobby to business. Well, yeah. And and simultaneously, I was actually, I spent over 20 years at the University of Minnesota's Carlson School. So I was actually fully employed there, kind of doing this on the side. And you were a professor. Actually, I was an administrator. An administrator. I was the dean of the undergraduate oh, program. The yeah. dean of the undergraduate program. Yeah. So you saw some stressed out kids. <laughs> I saw some very stressed out kids. <laughs> um, and I also saw a lot of you know students who wanted to be entrepreneurs, who were creating business plans. And, and um, so... It was actually inspiring. I was thinking, you know what? I'm actually walking the talk. You know, the things that we tell our students to do in the classroom every day, you know, I could see myself actually bringing that to life. I was like, I got to ask you, what what lined up and what didn't line up? Oh, well, you know, people were trying the product. Um, Krista decided to come in as a full partner. And um, when I would see the look on people's face when they tried our products, I thought, you know what? I know we have something here. And uh, people were genuinely excited that something with such a clean ingredient deck could taste this good. So tell me about that transition from teaching business school to actually doing it. Like mm. what, what, what in the <laughs> theories was – what did you experience on the ground that modified or emphasized? Or, you know, like what was that – how did that work? Well, the, 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 probably the biggest thing I was able to bring to the business was a pretty strong network of people. Um, because oh. I had been at the at the Carlson School for over 20 years and worked with a number of boards and local entrepreneurs um, and successful um, uh, corporate executives, it was easy to sort of get a, a group of pretty knowledgeable folks together to really throw darts at what I thought was a decent business plan and um, – Oh, so did you actually like, carry your business plan to people and say, will oh, yes. you look at this for me? Oh, yes. <laughs> I did. Oh, really? I did. And initially that was how, you know, we got some seed funding for the business as well um, through really kind of defining kind of who we wanted to be and what that might look like and uh, showing it to a handful of, of uh, folks in the community and really getting that grassroots support. Oh, that's the magic seed. I didn't know this. I'm glad I asked. So that was kind of your secret sauce, how you got because a lot of that first wave of material you have to buy, the packaging material, a lot of that's expensive. Right, right. Very expensive. And um, and granted, we were, yeah, we were definitely doing it, um, you know, as inexpensively as possible, but it all adds up. And, um, you know, the, 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 the support that we needed in the commercial kitchen to really even just, you know, make – uh, the quantities that we were needing once we got, you know, smaller accounts, but really important accounts like Kowalski's and uh, Lunds and Byerly's. And we got some really great support early on from our local food community. And, um, you know, we needed to deliver. So that kind of network of uh, unofficial sort of experts and mentors were uh, invaluable. Interesting. Okay. So speaking of support, 
I was very interested. You are going to Expo West. I think people don't know what that is, so why don't you briefly tell Yeah, them. Expo West is a natural food trade show that is out in Anaheim early March every year. And it is really uh, the mecca of all things natural foods. And so you're going to find all things paleo, keto. This year, I'm sure, CBD oil. It's, gonna, it's, it's really kind of at the forefront of innovation in natural foods. And so you go there to show your wares, but is it... It, you know, who's there? Like people are placing grocery orders? Like I don't understand exactly. No, actually, um, you know, there are tens of thousands of people there and you're going to find everybody from buyers from the big grocery chains like Whole Foods and Sprouts and Kroger. Uh, you're also going to find a lot of venture capital folks walking around looking for the next big thing, maybe companies they might be interested in. Um, some brokers who are looking to do business, ingredient suppliers. It's a little bit of everybody there. And um, a lot of bloggers and media there really just to say, you know, what are the big trends that we're seeing, for example, in 2019 as we move forward? Interesting. And so you are actually being brought or subsidized. Tell me about this. The Minnesota Department of Agriculture is involved in this. Yeah. You know, we have an amazingly supportive food community. And uh, the Minnesota Department of Agriculture um, for as long as I've been engaged in this, which is five, six years now, um, subsidizes partially um, entrepreneurs, smaller businesses, which they kind of define as uh, businesses with under 50 employees, um, to help them do things like trade shows, demoing in uh, grocery stores, et cetera. And they really support about 50 percent of our participation in the trade show. Um, so we're actually going under the auspices of the Minnesota Department of Ag. There's about a dozen small, um, innovative food companies that are coming, some bigger than others. Some, you know, there's a, um elderberry farmer that's going to be there selling his jam. So it really kind of runs the gamut from more established brands to really small kind of emerging um, farmers who are really kind of trying to see what this food world is all about. Yeah, I think that's really fantastic because – you know, uh, food is the business of Minnesota in a lot of ways. It know? absolutely is. And to, um, you know, how are we going to grow the next level of Angie's Pop? You know, those exactly. kind of companies, that have, right. they need some support to, to get out of the gate because anybody who's done a trade show knows that they are expensive. They're expensive. They're a lot of hard work. And so um, this is a great way to be able to get in and also – we're sort of grouped, actually, in what we call the Minnesota Alley of Food. And um, so there's a little Minnesota sign above all of the companies that are there uh, through the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. Um, there's actually a, a reception one night that's put on um, by both the Minnesota Department of Agriculture, uh, the deed office, Grow North, which is affiliated with the University of Minnesota. So really just a groundswelling, I think, of supporting uh, the food, co food community in the state. Oh, that is amazing. All right. I've been talking to Mary Kozer. She makes these whole me clusters. They're like tiny little soft granola bars, kind of. They're a little bit like a seven-layer bar, but they're healthy. They're a little bit like there's this one, this is a cinnamon banana that tastes like a banana bread. I think my favorite is just this almond coconut one. So if you see them around, if you're trying to get out of the processed sugar, processed flour lifestyle and into more of a crunchy bar situation, they're they're pretty good. Yeah, they're pretty amazing. They really are. Yeah. I like them quite a bit. I have a cup of coffee. I've got a whole meat cluster. All right, when we come back, I'm going to have Mr. J Jeff the Chef Houseman from Sample Room. We're going to talk about, you know, 
catch up with him, find out about this whole meat heart for my sweetheart. Would you enjoy a meaty Valentine gift? I think you might. I, I would. I'm all, I'm all about it. All right. That's what we'll have more of when we come back. Dara here. All right. So when I am not writing for Minneapolis St. Paul magazine and when I am not eating these whole meat clusters that are super good, <laughs> they're really delicious. They are also paleo. I should have mentioned that. that. So they're paleo certified for whoever does that. If you're on the paleo tip, I know this is still the month where everybody, this is the season, January and February, when everybody makes their big resolutions. Uh, they're cutting calories. They're eating, you know, not this, not that, or they're paleo. Anyway, so that's those were the whole me clusters. You can find out more about that at wholeme.com, like W-H-O-L-E-M-E.com if you're interested. All right, so when I'm not writing about food or I'm not eating whole me clusters, I am generally just trying to figure out what Jeff Hausman is up to. So Jeff, Jeff is a great chef. I have been following his career for a while. He was one of the Trevelyans. Then he opened Pat's Tap. Then he started off in his uh, entrepreneurial journey of a place called Pork and Pickle. He had two little kids. Now they're getting big. One is three. That's still not big. But then the other one is six, starting to get a little bit of a predictable schedule maybe. And he took over the kitchen at the sample room, and he's doing a big uh, Valentine's thing, meat heart for my sweetheart. So, Jeff, I have so many questions for you. And the main one is being a chef in the Twin Cities has been, um, you know, just so many kind of boom and bust cycles in the last four years. I can't even believe it. What has it been like? Like, how is it managing your career? You have a name. You have an amazing skill set. You're the charcuterie master. And yet it's just still this very, like, hard hard road to, to work. It's just the way it is. It, I mean. Has it been ever thus? It feels like it's been bumpier the last. It's been a little bit bumpier. You have more kids. First of all, thanks for having me back. I Always a pleasure to be a here. Um, yeah, it's been a little bit bumpier. You know, two more, two kids. I'm busy. Um, a lot I, of young people uh, coming up in the. Yep, well, uh, a lot of young guys coming up in the town now these days. You know, um, maybe a little bit is my apprehensiveness towards maybe making the next step. I don't know. And a more fickle customer base. I will say that I, I feel like restaurant customers in the Twin Cities have reached this weird place where they just don't want to go to a restaurant twice or something. It's a, it feels that way or they don't want to have the same menu at the same time or they want to experience something different. And that's what I'm, you know, again, you know, my travail background. I mean, I kind of feel that that's, that's what I, I, I kind of feel the same way. I want to do a couple things for a little while and then I kind of want to switch it up. I mean, people want different options. They want different flavors. They want different experiences. They want to try you know, different components. It's not all about the same thing every time, all the time anymore. All right. So how are you making that work at the sample room? That is a high bar. If you're going to, you know, be fresh and new every minute of the day, you either have to have the most uh, experienced crew in the world or, uh, I don't know, you have to have a special magic hat that you can pull things out of. I wish I had a magic hat, but I don't. (laughs) No, my sous chef and I, Ashley Estrada, are on it, like, constantly. We, um... I see things that we are selling in the beginning when we first changed the menu when I got there that are not selling now that we're talking about changing. Um, one of the big things, uh, two of the big things that were really well, that were perceived really well, were the uh, the gizzards and grits where I do a uh, fried uh, chicken gizzards tossed in a uh, cider gastrique over country grits. Those are doing well? They were doing well in the beginning, but now we're getting to the point where I feel like 
It's kind of lost its luster. I do a beef tongue hot dish uh, kind of dish. Basically, uh, it's it's a play on hot dish. It's Does it have tater tots in it? It does have tater tots. <laughs> Got a little porcini bechamel, green beans, roasted uh, uh, oh, beef I'm tongue. i have to come up and try that because nobody has a decent hot dish in the Twin Cities right now. As far as I know, no restaurant. Only people in their houses. It's differently plated, but it goes over well, and I feel like once we get past the beef tongue part and we explain to the customers, hey, it, it kind of tastes like pot roast. A lot of people are very, uh, you know, susceptible to trying it, so. Very interesting. The Twin Cities restaurant consumer both wants everything to be completely new and wants everything to be pot roast and uh, from their past. So, I mean, it's I've, I feel like I no longer understand how to um, navigate some of this, and so I imagine it's much tougher as a chef because you have to, you know, make this work. What it has, you spent a fair amount of your career building your skill set. Let me, let's talk about that. You know, you are the charcuterie master. You can make anything into a terrine, right? That's your, your, your claim to fame. Don't, don't go too far. You're going to make some <laughs> of those guys over there and in bloom a little upset. I won't upset Tyler now, <laughs> who's quite a good friend of mine, but no, it's true. I mean, it's, I, I, I've always felt that I can I can look at something and there's there's some way I can put some sort of meat product together with flavors and combinations and just thoughts and past experiences or you know I always I always laugh at my mom because my mom was from Levittown Pennsylvania and uh, it was a little Jewish and German neighborhood and there was tons of influences between my my grandmother's cooking and then my mom's cooking from her cooking into my cooking it just I, I feel like there's really nothing. I can't look at something, whether I, I'm not necessarily going to get it right the first time, but by the second or third, I think I can take some sort of meat combination and make it tasty and good. And how, you know, so you spent a lot of time developing that uh, skill set. Is it, you know, is it valuable in the marketplace? You know, you, you are you able to make that, you know, if I'm a young, if I'm a 19-year-old starting out and all this, uh, is it worth it to really get those old world skills? I feel like it is. I feel like if you look at a lot of the stuff these days, you know, if you, you're on Instagram and you see a lot of the chefs that I follow, I mean, a lot of this stuff is coming back to kind of the old world style. I mean, a great example is Grand Cafe with the the way, you know, the French influence and the 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 um, presentation of the food and the dishes and, you know, the way they go about the style. I, I feel like a lot of it is kind of coming back, you know, a little bit slowly, but with a refined kind of extension at the same time. And so is that what you're basically doing a sample room now is you're doing this kind of um, charcuterie and awful and uh, but with a refined, modern, affordable, all those? I try to make it where it's appealing to the guests, not just appealing to me so much. A lot of what I did before I would say was this is what I would eat. Now I kind of think outside the box and be like, this is what I would eat, but is this what somebody else would eat at the same time? So there's always a little extra components that you can add in to make it more susceptible to somebody that necessarily wouldn't eat what I would eat because I eat from the inside out. <laughs> a lot of butchers do. All the butcher cuts are, you know, the from the inside out or the, the least favored cuts. Um all right, so you took over Sample Room. You're still doing Pork and Pickle. Tell me about this whole meat heart for my sweetheart. So we're going to do meat heart for our sweetheart through Pork and Pickle. Um, it'll be a pickup 
on uh, the 12th of February at the sample room. Um, you should come in, have lunch, and then uh, get your little package of meat heart for your sweetheart. I will be doing four different types of sausages. Uh, there will be more information. Uh, we will have it up most likely on Monday with the Super Bowl being tomorrow and sure, everything uh, going on. You're, you're basically doing this all through uh, Facebook at this point, Yep, right? all through Facebook at this point. Still working on a, a website, so... I got a couple friends that are giving me a hand with the website stuff. So it's not really my forte, the computer thing. I'm more of a hands-on meat guy. Well, yeah, that's the big challenge, right? Um, people always ask me, like, oh, I'm a you know, chef starting out. What, what should I, you know, where should I put my energy? And it's like, well, you should learn to cook, and then you should get a really good phone with a camera and put everything on Instagram. Those are the, those are the two starting points. These days, it's true. I mean, everybody wants to see what everybody else is doing. I, I, I constantly am. I'm, I'm, I'm on Instagram a fair amount myself, looking at guys, a lot of meat people. Uh, I, I pay attention of uh, what's going on at Bloom. You know, my buddy Tyler's out there. He does a great job. Uh, Prime and Proper. Have you been down in Detroit? To no, I haven't. My wife's killing me. Uh, my um, review is in the magazine right now. So I will say a few things, such as twenty-five foot open fire hearth. Like it is the craziest cooking surface I have ever seen in my life, and uh, it's 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 very very nice. All the pictures I've seen, I love the pictures Thomas posts. It's staying warm here, of course. It's staying warm. <laughs> the first time I was there, um, you know, you just sort of start. I was in that they have like a, a sushi counter sort of situation in front of it. It's pretty far from the fire, but it was kind of towards the end, I was just down to like a tank top. It was like, felt like a. <laughs> You felt like I was in, uh, I don't know, medieval kitchen. Like it's just, it's, it was warm. It's a lot of wood. I can see it. You know? Yeah, they go through. I think he said, like, what is it a, a cord and a half a week? That's, well, a cord is a large amount of wood. We used to get a cord when we lived in Columbus for the winter, just to give people an, you know, an idea of what a cord is. Yeah, it is a large, but it's, uh, you know, uh, I, I think it's. That kind of out of the box thinking. I mean, that's I'm so sick of the restaurants that open by kind of looking at the marketplace and finding the one thing that's not here, and and then being like, oh, what people really want is you know, that was the crudo story of a few years ago, right? Everybody all at the same time. Very true. Very true. I feel like we had a huge fluctuation of just this is what everybody wants. And this now- is what we don't have because we've put this into a business plan, and then this is not what. That's not how In Bloom opened. Like, there's no other restaurant doing that in the country. They nope. did not just, you know, look to fill a hole. Um, and you're kind of on the same path. Like, you're. This is what you're passionate about. This is what you've been passionate about for as long as I've known you, which has got to be a decade at this point. Yep, close to it now. What I've been here. Yeah, I think it's almost. We're about ten years now, since so I've known you basically since I moved here. So, yeah, that. I mean, it is. It's my passion. I. I mean, I'm not looking for a big space. It's. Don't get me wrong. I from the pictures I've seen in Bloom is it's just gorgeous, but well, I it's just also their fifth restaurant. It's not exactly, you know. But I only want I would I just need a tiny little space. I would love a fire pit scenario, that whole open fire grill just to roast the meat the way it should be. Well, up in you sample know? room, you have a, all that giant backyard, and you've got the Mississippi River frontage and. It is nice. It'll be even nicer when the uh, scrap metal place isn't there anymore. <laughs> and you're going to have the amphitheater across the way so people can yeah, hear uh, uh, the free rock and roll or something. I feel like that's going to help, uh, you know, with the neighborhood. That neighborhood is growing just so fast. Yeah, so people don't know. You're on the – you're just literally on the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. Um, 
kind of just south of the Lowry Bridge. Yes, we have our own docks and everything. So we do have kayakers that come through, come up for the old barrel-aged cocktails, the Negroni, the uh, the uh, Manhattan as well. So, In fact, I think we do a discount during the summer for uh, people that are kayakers if they bring in their uh, life vest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to wear a life vest. I, I'm too chicken to kayak on the Mississippi. That seems... Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. But uh, more power to the people that can do it. All right, Mr. Jeffy Hausman. Congrats on taking on the sample room. And everybody, check out Pork and Pickle on Facebook. Get that meat heart for your sweetheart. You're not going to do one of your famous buffalo chicken creations, are you? I'm actually going to do the chicken Cheeto broad as part of the chicken oh, package. The chicken Cheeto broad. So it will be chorizo, chicken Cheeto broad, Italian sausage, and bratwurst. Bratwurst so, is a standard. Just, uh, it is my standard. I'm I'm proud of that recipe. It might be cheesy brat or regular brat, and I might give an option for spicy. Uh, we'll see how it goes. All right. Well, check him out. He's on the old pork and pickle on Facebook and at the Sample Room in Northeast. And uh, I just I've, I've really loved watching your career over the years. It is very interesting to me also to see you kind of juggling the. The life-work balance. People are always asking women, like, oh, how do you juggle life and work? It's like, well, you could ask that of any male CEO in town. And and it's been interesting to see you because you've got now a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And you've been, you know, making life-work balance. And and, uh, I'm, you know, I'm proud and, and good to see it. I think we need a lot of support for dads in this culture. And so... Thank you for doing that. I, I appreciate that. If it weren't for my wife, Sarah Hausman, I probably wouldn't be where I am in most of these places right now. So definitely a big shout out to the wife. Thanks, honey. Love you. You're always uh, always got my back. <laughs> dads and dads and moms, families and kids. That's how we roll here and off the menu. And All right. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back, have some really good guacamole recipes, and I will answer uh, any kind of questions you got. If you also want to text me, 81807, I am still looking for the answer to the question about where to uh, get some smelt. You Have you smelt them and dealt them? I want to know if you could get some fresh smelt or if you just got to, like, get them from Portugal or something. So 81807. All right. So here are the uh, questions that I've got. I've got someone planning a fish and chips menu for the Super Bowl. What would you serve if you had a New England theme? And what would you serve if you had a Los Angeles theme? I love that question. That is a great question. Well, for a New England theme, can you make a big clam chowder? How about that? I love clam chowder, a bunch of bacon, potatoes, just a really thick white chowder. That is the that's great. That's not fish and chips, however. So if you're doing Fish and chips, you know, New England has all the all the fishes. You could do fried scallops. You could do fried oysters. You could do fried, you know, just haddock. That's the standard out there. So that would be just a full-up fried thing. And if you had a Los Angeles theme, well, that starts to go in a fish taco direction. I don't know if you would consider, you know, fried fish inside of a taco fit your fish and chips theme. But that, that's what th- says Los Angeles to me. Los Angeles is not potato country. They are tortilla country. So that's my, that's my thought there. All right, you people, I need you to look at the guacamole recipes. They're so good. 
So a couple years ago, I learned that the reason we eat so much guacamole in January and we watch the big game is that it's the time when the harvests come in for three big avocado-producing regions, California, Central America, and then even the Southern Hemisphere growers, such as those in New Zealand. So it's kind of neat, right? So the reason we eat guacamole, because it's high avocado season. This is peak as you know, September is to apple pie. Right now is to guacamole. So we're eating seasonally. Um, and then I put up the, uh, these are my top five. So here's what we've got. Beyonce's mom's super basic guacamole. This is like the all-American guacamole. We have this recipe up at WCCORadio.com. It's also up on my Facebook page, Dara.Grumdahl. So this is just the, the American recipe. Two avocados, one lime, one tomato, one onion, one clove of garlic. That's the whole thing. No cilantro. That's the basic one. That's what Beyonce grew up on. If you raise your children on that guacamole, perhaps they will one day be billionaires. I don't know. Could happen. Number four, Jose Andres guacamole with tomatillo and queso fresco. So a little more fancy. Uh, Chef Jose Andres. I met him when he was in town uh, at at MIA, the Minneapolis Institute of Arts, uh, but he's been making a big name for himself the last year or two, feeding people with his group, World Central Kitchen. He you know, fed so many tens of thousands of people in Puerto Rico in disaster-struck California. He's been feeding people throughout the government shutdown. Um, you know, But, of course, he started all of this as a very fancy chef. And his restaurant version of guacamole with a little – Tomatillo and queso fresco. If you don't have queso fresco, you can use sour cream. That's fine. Uh, It's very delicious. It's really good. Did you think that I was going to bring to you the White Stripes Jack White guacamole? (laughs) I didn't think I was either, but the things that exist in the world. This is the... Rider, so you know the thing, the piece of paper that they, the contract that a venue has to fulfill when Jack White of the White Stripes shows up. This is that guacamole. He's just a ton of tomato in there. I don't know why the White Stripes like a really heavy tomato guacamole, but that's how they roll, apparently. So if you want to uh, dazzle your friends with the the White Stripes guacamole, I have it. Okay, so then this is a celebrity chef from New York, Alex Stupak. His basic guacamole, this is the one that I like. I don't actually like tomato in my guacamole, even though every celebrity in America does, apparently. I like cilantro. And so this is just a very simple onion, cilantro, lime guacamole. Really good. I like it. And then, in case you want to be so fancy, Rick Bayless, the Topolo Bampo Frontera Grill Chicago chef, he has this... uh, He has just his recommendation to make a luxury guacamole bar. So you're just going to put a guacamole in the center of the table and then all of these garnishes around and your friends are going to be like, oh, should I put pumpkin seeds or pomegranate seeds, queso, salsas? They're going to come in. They're going to be like, whoa, this is the fanciest guacamole I've ever seen in my life. And you're going to say yes, because I roll like Rick Bayless or like uh, the White Stripes or Beyonce. Anyway, this is the fun recipe roundup for height of guacamole season. And uh, they're all up at WCCORadio.com. They look good. All right, we come back. We're going to have some more time for Ask Me Anything. You People, nobody has answered my smelt question. No one seems to know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put an end to this. You don't think – if you don't answer me, then I'm going to have to believe 
that it can't be done. So if you got an answer, 81807. Dara here. All right, we're back. So here's what uh, here's what is going on in the world of food. I got people that are angry about Beyonce um, being vegan now after having taken money from the Dairy Council. Well, you know where I stand on the whole vegan thing. I think it is a trend that is hopefully going to peter out this year. That's what I, uh, perhaps I am just in denial, but um, I, I truly believe that you, there's not enough um, nutrients in, in vegan food to sustain children and uh, just, uh, the elderly, all kinds of people. So I'm hoping uh, that this is yet another version of uh, people trying to lose weight and then they will have a lot of processed sugar, flour, and oil and get to the other side of it and realize they didn't lose weight. So I don't know. Um, but rich people with their fancy chefs uh, they and their their you know insistence that the rest of us can eat like they do is just one of the things that drives me out of my head because it's not possible you know in order to eat the way say Tom Brady and Giselle do you need a personal chef you need someone just cooking every you know just doing nothing all day but feeding you doing nothing all day but mincing uh, kale and you know finding different exciting ways to use coconut oil. It's it's not easy and it's I don't think it's universally applicable. So but I still like Beyonce's guacamole. You're not gonna take that away from me. That's a perfect American guacamole. Just like a tomato and onion and an avocado. Walk into a bowl. That's what they did. All right. So what's happening next week? I've got Anna Med of Lat 14, that new restaurant, and uh, I want to talk to her about authenticity the idea of authenticity, I think, has outlived its usefulness. I want you to think about this till next week. Could you make a North Shore lunch if you were just like suddenly, you know, transported to Ulaanbaatar or something? If you didn't have sunnies, you didn't have walleye, you didn't have a campfire, could you make North Shore lunch? So what is authenticity? All right, that's what we're going to get right into the deep end of the pool next week with Anna Med of Lat 14. Till then, may your jellies gel and your attention stay fluid. And I will see you here next week on Off the Menu. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.